Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. Rob is in Roanoke as usual. Rob, how are you doing down there? I'm great, man. And how are you? I guess post-wedding, post-honeymoon, this is what the people want. <laughs> the pe- this is what the people want. The people wanted some podcasts, and I was too busy getting married to <laughs> to get it out. So anyway, um, yeah, so I married uh, my now wife, CJ, and she is now uh, officially a Wahoo. She cannot say otherwise. And yeah, it was it was wonderful. We were in Maui for a week. And it's just been kind of crazy. So the the I watched the Miami game in Charlottesville, actually at Boylan, which was crazy. And then kind of good to go. Nice to go back there. We got married on Saturday and then we left Sunday. So been gone all week. Watched the win against Louisville from the pool in Maui. And yeah, it's I'm just trying to catch back up with real life now. There's like actual things to do, and uh, I wish I could stay on vacation forever. But you know, we can't have it that way. Unfortunately, nah, man, it would have been too easy. Too but easy. Might, we must say it was a beautiful wedding. Thank I'm you. Very glad the honeymoon went well. Dustin sent. Wait, you tweeted out the picture, which was from an iPhone and still looked amazing. Yeah. So. Very much looking forward to the real wedding photos yeah. coming out. Our our wedding planner took a photo of us that I tweeted out at the very end, but we haven't even seen any of our actual wedding photos. So I'm pumped to see that and uh, you know, just see how the night was because there it was it was kind of a blur. And I've <laughs> I've been piecing it together. You know, I've called people. I called my best man right before recording this actually, and. You know, he was talking me through the night, and I was like, "Oh, that did happen, and yeah, we did, we did do that." And so it was good. It's it's been nice to hear other people's perspectives because CJ and I are just like, you know, we had our own kind of perspective, but everyone else's seems to be really good too. So glad you had a good time. And being I mean, there. an elite moment was the successful request for swag surfing <laughs> at the reception. Did it play? So, yeah. Did were you not there for that? Dude, I don't think I was in the room for that. <laughs> Dude, we had swag surfing going. <laughs> I missed it. Um, okay. Yeah, I definitely didn't hear Elite that. Moment. I didn't hear that. Okay, now I'm a little sad. Disappointed. <laughs> My one disappointment from the night, didn't hear swag surfing at the wedding. Anyway, um, yeah, it was it was wonderful. But let's talk some football. And we're going to talk about the Louisville game and what a... Heart, uh, you know, how it made my heart palpitate in weird ways. And then we're also going to preview Duke. We're going to do some mid-season unit grading, 
which I'm looking forward to. Rob and I have not discussed our unit grades yet, but we will find out what we grade the units so far. And before we do that, we do want to talk about our sponsors from Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talking platform. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversations that you listen to on our podcast every day. You can uh, download the app for free in the iOS app store. You create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever group you want. Join Spotify Green Room and get talking about sports. We are also sponsored by Symbol. We have a new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your team wins, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 7,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com. That's www.simbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm gonna punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So I, that was the first time I looked at that ad, and that sounds pretty cool. I would say I'm not a, I'm not you know I don't I don't sports bet a lot, but that seems like a different kind of sports betting. I will say we love all our ads here at the Guys and Ties podcast, regardless uh-huh. of market or target audience or <laughs> target use. So yeah. But yes, it does seem interesting. <laughs> I do. I will say I miss Blue Chew and I miss Manscaped. I wish we had both. That's exactly what I was alluding to. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's not as fun when Rob doesn't have to turn off his mic to, um, to when I do the ads because that, then, you know, how, how, how do we know how funny it is? Anyway. Dude, the first ones were great. Manscaped, especially. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but let's uh let's talk Louisville. So UVA wins their game on Saturday. This is Thursday night, by the way, at around seven thirty. We win thirty-four to thirty-three. Who's almost blow it? And it was a crazy game. Um back and forth. You know, Rob, what were your thoughts and feelings after the or like during the game, after the game? How'd you feel? I mean, during the game was just stressful the entire way. Uh, after the game was just pure relief. And, you know, it was an incredible effort, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. this is an offense that at this point in the season really doesn't have a running game. Virginia loses its top receiver and Dontavion Wicks on the first drive. Mm-hmm. And Brennan Armstrong goes out and, you know, had some misfires here and there. But 
40 of 60 pass attempts. 60 pass attempts is insane. Yeah. Brennan really just put the offense on his back. The defense made plays where it counted. Um, you know, it was an incredible effort. And I'm going to be honest, like, I try not to tweet during games and, mm-hmm. you know, was more active than I normally am during the Louisville game. And, you know, it was frustrating. A lot of people had some thoughts and, you know, Anyway, we, I was called out one time, and certainly, certainly, you know, I was wrong. <laughs> I'll yeah. just put it that way. And it was an incredible effort. And you know, this is—I always think back to the first season when you know, not a the first season under Bronco, when not a lot of things were going really right. But mm-hmm. Bronco was talking about, you know, how you have to learn how to win and how you have to really believe, and that it was so common in the Mike London area or Mike London era that teams would fall behind and they might lose a lead and they felt mm-hmm. like the game was over. I was dejected. And yeah. we've seen Virginia come back from smaller deficits. We've seen them make second half runs before under Mendenhall, but to be down 30 to 13. And, you know, I would say the majority of the fan base kind of writing that game off and yeah. to have that type of comeback, it's, it speaks volumes for the players you know, Brennan on offense, that fourth quarter drive was incredible. Keaton catching those three critical balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense was far from perfect, but they made stops when it counted. You know, there's just so much credit to go around. Yeah. And I, I was really, really impressed. Yeah, it was um, it was a great effort from the team, especially in the fourth. I mean, fourth quarter was incredible. I, you know, of course, I was on vacation and I saw the third quarter it just got worse and worse and worse. And so in the third, after the half, of course, we're up 13-10. Both teams missed field goals to go into the half. But, but, you know, Louisville comes out with big plays. They score a touchdown on the opening drive of the second half. Uh, Brennan throws a pick. Our next drive, Louisville kicks a field goal. They're up. They go up. They score 10 points really quickly. We punt. They score another touchdown. We throw an interception, and then they kick a field goal. So it's thirty to thirteen, and at this point, I I, I think a lot of people, myself included, really kind of checked out because that is a huge deficit to overcome. Um, that's just a crazy, crazy amount. No question, and I mean, like I said, I just go back to that first season under Bronco mm-hmm. when. And, you know, he even described it as opening press conference. He was like, yeah, this team just looks dejected. They look like they're out of it. Like, you know, the, basically those teams couldn't do what this team did. And right. I'm not standing up here saying, I don't think anybody is, that this team is like a perfect four and two. You know, it was a fun first two weeks. And then we saw the flaws of this team and losses to UNC and Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. And listen, Virginia's come out ahead the past two weeks, but we've seen pretty severe limitations at times in both of those games against Miami and Louisville, respectively. Mm-hmm. But you got to give a lot of credit. Miami, certainly, but this Louisville win, I mean, this is something that we have not seen from the Virginia team in a long, long time. Yeah, And it's possible because the culture honestly it's possible because you have a quarterback like brendan armstrong also that is certainly at a, playing at an all acc level currently leads the nation in pass yards i mean think of that like all the years of like 
you know, think of the late grow era through mm-hmm. the Mike London era of the offenses that really, really struggled. And here we are with the nation's leading passer yeah. under center for us. I mean, it, it really is an incredible win. And again, like this isn't the best team we've ever seen necessarily out of UVA, but it's impressive in its own right. And that win is one that I'm going to remember for a long, long time. Yeah, that and that coupled with the Miami win back-to-back and back-to-back weeks just really – I think, and once again, we you know we've talked about swings this season. We we've swung somehow all the way back up. You know, we go from losing to you know just getting smacked by North Carolina and Wake Forest, and I think a lot of people having a lot of doubts about this team, especially about the defense. You know, just with the way the defense was playing, it was unclear how far the team could go. You know, even with the really prolific offense with Brennan Armstrong under center. But now we have a, you know, after the long break against Miami, you know, we have a couple extra days to to practice and to to get back on track. You know, we have a defense that, you know, gave up 33 points, but they stuck it out when it mattered. In the fourth quarter, they give up a, they, they force a punt on a three and out and then they force another punt on a three and out. They limit Louisville to a field goal in the kind of in the closing minutes, and then Louisville misses a field goal, of course, to end the game. And not to say it wasn't really stressful watching the Louisville drive down the field at the uh, in, with 22 seconds left, but they got really close, but our defense somehow pulled it out. And I think, as you said, Speaks a lot to the mentality, speaks a lot to the coaching, speaks a lot to the players that we have leading this team, like Brennan Armstrong, like those players on defense, on the defensive line that have been here forever. Even without, you know, our leader on defense, Joey Blunt, for this game, I think they did a really good job of bending a lot and only breaking just a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, as far as the defense goes, they did play a good first half, you know, held mm-hmm. Louisville to 10 points. The second half, you know, they got gouged, um, especially in the third quarter. But, you know, credit where credit's due. Um, you know, they made stops when they really, really needed to. And a play that comes to my mind or the sequence of plays was when Louisville was driving, it was about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it was second and one. Nick Jackson made a tremendous sideline stop, really showed his speed on that play. And then it was third and one, and Jameer Carter drove the center back about five yards Mm -hmm. before he made the tackle. And, you know, Broncos speaks a lot about this. It's kind of the Bill Belichick mindset and a mindset that I kind of share, but it's that situational football essentially wins games. And, you know, there's a lot of plays, you know, think about it. There's, over a hundred plays between both sides of the ball that happen in between a game. But most games really come down to a subset of call it five plays. Mm -hmm. And if you can win those five plays that really, really count, then you have a great chance at winning football games. And Virginia made mistakes on defense. Certainly. I mean, like long runs, there were deep passes on the first play of the game Mm -hmm. uh, for the defense, at least. But when it really counted down the stretch, Virginia made plays. And the one thing I will say, too, is that, you know, this defense gave up a lot on the ground. Um, 
you know, aside from the first pass of the game, they really did a pretty good job through the air. Yeah. Malik Cunningham take out that first like 90 yard pass. And, you know, he essentially finished with 180 yards passing, yeah. which is, you know, pretty good. Um, but they did a great job containing Malik Cunningham. And if yeah. you go back and watch the game and I containing Malik Cunningham on the ground specifically, where last year he ran for 197 yards against UVA. This year he ran for 38. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it goes down to the way it was schemed. You know, you didn't see guys really getting that far upfield on their rushes. I think it was a point of emphasis to try to keep him in the pocket. And you also look at third downs, they used the one five five looks a lot, which they kind of broke out for the first time, adding Wes Weeks and Hunter Stewart into mm-hmm. the lineup. Um, they kind of broke that out the first time against Miami, really, and they used it even more so uh, this past week against Louisville. And I think that helped on third down to try to contain them and keep them in the pocket with the extra speed on the field. So anyway, there were adjustments that have been made and there's going to be adjustments that continue to be made in this new defensive scheme. Um, but you do have to give the defense credit for, you know, I would say probably keeping Malik Cunningham in the pocket was probably a huge point of emphasis. And then also for just making those plays when it really, really mattered in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they did. They did a really good job. And you know, you're you're right. Taking the that first play of what was it, ninety five, ninety two yards, and the defense did really good in the first half. And you know, honestly, they did really good in the fourth quarter as well. So you know, I think they're getting better. I think we're getting somewhere with them, and hopefully, they can do enough throughout the year or the rest of the year that that our offense can can pull away in certain points and so that's what oh sorry go on oh you got it you got it no i was just gonna say you know looking at the next two games we have versus duke versus georgia tech these are two games that i i'm really hoping we can you know do something with because duke is you know they're three and three uh, so far, but they haven't won a uh, ACC game yet. And Georgia Tech is also three and three, and they have their you know two and two in the ACC, kind of like us. But they've lost to Clemson. They almost beat Clemson, and they lost to Pitt. Who and I guess Pitt's pretty good now. I don't know. They have a great seemingly seemingly have a great you know quarterback duo and in, in um. Pickett and I forget what his receiver's name is, but he's got a, they've got a great connection there, but I'm hoping that our offense can take advantage of, you know, some, some of the more mediocre teams in the ACC and win, win some games, get ahead while we can. Yeah. And I mean, looking ahead before we'll get this part out of the way before we dive into position unit grades, Mm -hmm. but this was always the part of the schedule where UVA needed to make up ground. It was a challenging stretch having, um, what, UNC, Wake Forest, and Miami. That was always going to be a challenging stretch at the beginning of the schedule. And then it was always going to be a challenging stretch at the end, and it still is, where they play at BYU versus Notre Dame, which does look more winnable now, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But then at Pittsburgh and home against Virginia Tech. So this middle part of the schedule was always the part where they needed to catch up. And to our credit, I don't think either of us expected, you know, these nail biters towards the end, but we did both of us in our season preview predictions have us at four and two right now, wow. which is exactly where we are. Amazing. So, you know, it's admittedly, it could be two and four 
<laughs> not there's really not that much separating from where we are but yeah at the same time you know we're four and two so i think virginia hopefully is able to make up some ground here and listen i mean if they can clinch full eligibility beat duke and beat georgia tech two games that are not gimmies but two games where uva will be the favorite team if uva can take advantage of these next two games be mm-hmm. six and two you know towards the end of october I think that's going to be a big sigh of relief before this stretch that comes up. And I think that was part of the angst that, you know, certainly affected me. And I think a lot of people during the Louisville game is everyone kind of knew how this schedule worked, that this was part, this was like supposed to be the winnable stretch before UVA gets into the back half of the schedule or the back third of the schedule, really, where it gets very, very tough. And, in order to kind of clinch bowl eligibility to feel good, Virginia really has to, you know, take advantage of the next couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. they did it by the skin of their teeth against Louisville. Um, so hopefully it'll come, you know, hopefully a little bit easier here in the next two weeks. Yeah. Duke and Georgia Tech. And just a just a note on the two, uh, two wins away in a row that hasn't happened to Virginia since the '07 season. Two away ACC wins back-to-back, which I think says a lot about how much this team has struggled on the road for a long time, not even since since Grow, you know, we've struggled on the road. Um, So, you know, it's been a long time, and, you know, hopefully this team is in the right mind space to keep doing it, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game against Duke. I think it'll be good, and I'm excited to, you know, turn on ESPN3. It's been a while since I've you know, turn that on since I've turned that on and, (laughs) you know, it'll be a good, good, good time. Yeah. Hopefully I will be there this Saturday. That's the plan at least. Um, But either way, man, going to be watching at home in the stadium, whatever it is. I am. Should be a fun weekend, man. I am unfortunately unable to go. I, I want to, but I need to take care of life (laughs) in Alexandria (laughs) because I've been away for you know, 10 days or whatever, but it'll be okay. And I will say while we're on the Duke game, have you seen the uniform combo for this game? I haven't, I, I, I haven't, cause I was updating my, so my Wi-Fi was like being wonky earlier and, and I haven't looked at Twitter all day. So I don't know the combo. Can I okay, guess? Take a guess right here. It has been released. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go. Are we Are we all blue? We are not. Oh. Okay, let me get one more. Uh okay. I bet we go blue helmet, blue jersey and white pants. Okay. Also incorrect. It okay. is the first time we have worn this combo under Minden Hall. It is blue, orange, white. Oh. So blue helmet, orange jerseys, white pants. I like so. that. A common combo under Mike London, actually, but the first time under Brent or first time under Bronco that we're wearing it. Well, maybe I don't like it as much. <laughs> it'll look as long as we win, it'll be okay. Some bad juju with that color combo. Although I, London never had the new logo on his jerseys, so who knows? Maybe that will change everything. True. That's true, and the orange jerseys have kind of like the weird secondary logo that I don't like on the collar. Oh, really? So maybe that's like that'll help. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. 
the one with with Cavman bowing his head. Yeah, the Batman one. Yeah, the Batman one. <laughs> the uh, the sad UVA fan one. God, we're going too far back in time now. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so before we get into our unit, uh, mid grade rankings, are we uh mid year rankings? Any last words about Miami or Louisville? So no words about Miami or Louisville. I will say when it comes to Duke, I think it's very interesting, um, you know, just the way this defense has evolved. And I say this because Duke has a very good running back and uh, shoot Mateo Durant. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to run the ball. Durant has 788 yards on the ground this season. Wow. Uh, Virginia – I mean, that's more than Virginia has total on the season. (laughs) Virginia has 678 yards total on the season. So he's a very good running back. And we'll get into kind of the intricacies and the nuances of the defense here as we go through the grades. But I will say Virginia, they were a top three defense in the ACC and rush defense last year, but they were worse. They were the worst defense in the ACC against the pass. And this year, on a per attempt average or a per completion average, Virginia is slightly better, but still about the same against the pass. But this defense is much worse against the run. They're the worst team in the ACC against the run. Yeah. 5.25 yards per carry, yeah. 201 yards per game on the ground. Yeah. So I will say Virginia really probably has to sell out to stop the run against Duke. I think Virginia should be able to beat Duke. And, you know, Duke they haven't played you know that good of teams and you know they've struggled against some teams that aren't that good as well you know this is a game Virginia should win but I think the key to this win as many people have said is really slowing down Durant and the Stu Russian attack yeah Um, and that's the hope that they're able to do that because this defense has struggled on the ground and if there's one thing that concerns me into this game it's that matchup Duke's running mm-hmm. game versus Virginia's rushing defense. Yeah, I, and I will say that Duke's quarterback does not look that good. Uh Gunnar Holmberg, he's got uh 1600 yards on the season, six touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh he doesn't really scare me that much. I would much rather try and make him beat us and pack the box. And uh, I hope that the coaches see that too. I, I I'm sure they know this. You know they they know better than, <laughs> they know better than me. But I, I hope that we do better because you know Hassan Hall also destroyed us on the ground last week uh, for Louisville. He had, he averaged uh, over ten yards a carry and just wrecked us um, when when you know w- when they had the ball. So I I'm I'm excited to see. How our defense responds. I think that they should have a b- nice boost from last week. You know, really stopping Louisville from from winning that game. And I'm I'm just I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward to a nice noon kickoff, uh, like I'm used to, and uh, I can get on with my day after that. That's right, twelve thirty, man. Yeah, it'll be beautiful. It'll be beautiful. Um, let's go ahead and we can move forward with our midseason grades 
for our position units. But before we do that, I do want to talk about our sponsors from Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a live audio-only sports talk platform. It is free to download and free to use. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Talk to other fans, athletes, insiders, reporters in real time. All you need to do is join Spotify Greenroom by downloading it from the iOS app store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whatever groups you want. Join in the sports talk with Spotify Greenroom. We are also sponsored by our new sponsor, Symbol. Symbol is the stock is the sport stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD to make your first deposit risk-free. That means even if you you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Uh, join symbol today all right rob so let's go ahead we're gonna do our mid-season grades for our position units we ranked them to start the year and i'm gonna be honest my rankings have changed dramatically as the season has gone on and i'm sure yours have as well but we haven't shared our grades with each other and rob would you like to start with offense or defense do you want to start with good or bad yeah, let's start with offense, man. Okay. And I, I think, yeah, again, like our lots of times we'll do kind of like rankings, I guess. I guess this is like ratings, like on a grade scale. Either way, um, yeah, let's start with offense. And starting with offense, we'll start with the quarterback. And really, this is the Brennan Armstrong show. Yeah. You know, I would say A, if you want to get picky, A minus with a couple interceptions, but. You know, this is a position unit where, you know, the backups, I think what I would, I did in my grades coming into the season is, you know, the backup room is still a little bit unsettled Mm -hmm. and I still don't feel great about the backup quarterback situation right now if someone has to come in and play, but, you know, grading Brennan Armstrong, leading the nation in pass yards, um, 17 touchdowns, you know, it he's been incredible. Like there's no other way to say it. He's completing 65% of his passes, a higher clip than last year. Mm-hmm. It's just really incredible. Like, like I said, if you want to get picky, he's had some untimely interceptions. Maybe you want to get picky a minus, but this is a position group on Brennan Armstrong's shoulders. That has been incredible this year. And I, I agree with you. I, I would say a, and you know, leading or being very close to the top, in passing yards he has you know what 17 touchdowns so far this season he has been outstanding and way better than I think anyone could have imagined uh this year so far I I just think that he's really he's done a great job of improving uh he has not taken any you know unnecessary risks with running or anything like that so he's stayed healthy so far knock on wood. The six interceptions are a lot, but you know, when you're down a lot in in games, you got to throw and sometimes he's forced some stuff, which is not great, but you know, he is he's doing his best. Um yeah, I, I just and you know, if we're if we're doing the quarterbacks as a whole, 
the other ones have been great too. You know, you look at uh, Jacob Rodriguez, Ira Armstead have both contributed. Keaton Thompson is not a quarterback anymore. He's a football player, but he's also been doing great. And I guess he's in the wide receiver group now, but he's still listed on the roster as a quarterback. So, you know, I want to... I'm kind of lumping him in both, which is cheating. But I think an A is well-deserved <laughs> for this quarterback room. I really do. Yeah, I do too. And it's funny you say that about Brennan's, you know, health, I guess. Um, the thing is, is that he's been playing with a knee brace for the past four weeks, really. I mean, he hurt it against Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, his knee. And, you know, you still see it when he gets out of the pocket on scrambles. He still has that speed, but... They're not really calling design runs for him anymore, yeah. or at least right now, as long as he still has that knee brace on. We'll see. You know, maybe it's kind of like Bryce Perkins 2019. As the knee gets healthier and the brace comes off, he'll get more design runs back in the playbook. But the reason I bring that up is because last year, so much of what Brennan Armstrong did was on the ground. And there were two games last season. The entire season, there were two games where he had fewer than 15 rush attempts Mm -hmm. and some of this includes sacks and we're not going to go back and net that all out but you know 15 rush attempts the only two games he had less than that were nc state the game he got hurt and abilene christian the game where he was done by the middle of the third quarter because we're beating them so bad so this year is completely opposite well last year he was running the ball a lot taking tons of attempts on the ground this year, he's sitting back, and he's a pocket passer. He's throwing deep. He's throwing intermediate. He's throwing short. He's going through progression. I mean, he looks like a really, really good quarterback out there because he is. Yeah. And it's been really impressive to watch. Yeah, it's been really fun. And I, I've, you know, it, it, for so long, we've wished for kind of an offense like this that's fast. It's fun to watch. It's up-tempo. There's a lot of passing. There's big plays. A lot of touchdowns. Um, but you know, football giveth and football taketh away. We no longer have a really good defense anymore. And, um, it, you know, we'll get to that later, but I, I think, you know, the quarterback position has been far and away the best position group, mostly because of Brennan and just much more impressive than really I imagined this season. No question. So with that, let's move on. Unless you have anything further to say on quarterback, let's move on to running back. Yeah. And for me, running back is a difficult position to grade mm-hmm. because they really don't run the ball that much. No. <laughs> and so it's kind of interesting. I will say I will give them a B, which honestly feels a bit high, but I will say, like I said earlier, situational football. Yeah. When the running backs have been asked, to you know take on a load they've delivered and Miami was really the best rushing game of the season 181 yards on the ground in that game we saw Mike Collins have a longer touchdown run at least as far as UVA standards go Uh, we saw Wayne Talapapa's second career 20 plus yard run so Mm -hmm. that was a long time coming (laughs) for him so anyway we've seen them deliver in some capacity when they've been asked to they just really haven't been asked to so Mm -hmm. you know i don't want to nitpick this too much i would say i feel like a b is fair that yeah whether it's short yardage or you know situationally when they've been asked to run the ball 
they generally have been able to. It just hasn't been very frequent. No, I I agree. At you know, we our leading rusher so far is Wayne. He's got 185 yards on the season, as you said, and you know he's averaging about five yards a carry. He's got two touchdowns. He's doing great. He just only has 38 rushing attempts on the year, which is you know what 22 less attempts than Brennan threw in the last game. So. <laughs> You know, it's just crazy how how much uh, less the running backs are being used. And I thought, you know, I really thought that they would try and use them more this season. I don't know why I thought that. They've shown no no indication of ever trying to do that. So I if I were a running back, I would not come to UVA because you don't run, right? Like poor Ronnie Walker only has three attempts on the whole year. And he's, he rushes eight yards per carry. That's really good. But he... He's only got three so far. He has 24 yards rushing on the whole year, and he's got 20 yards uh, passing, receiving. So he is um, almost more of a receiver than a running back at this point. And, you know, I, I just, it's just kind of befuddling sometimes why they're not used more. Um, but, you like, if Brennan's passing so well, why do anything different? And so I think that's kind of where they're at right now. Um, but I agree with you. I think a B is is fair because they, they do a great job when they're asked to. They just don't get a lot of run in, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Well, a couple of things on that, actually. So one, you know, you say you thought that Virginia was going to run the ball more and you don't know why you thought that. Well, the reason why you thought that is because that's exactly what the coaches told us. The oh, entire right. season, the coaches were like, oh, we're going to run the ball more. The traditional ground game is going to get emphasis. Yeah. And I was skeptical. I went back through the numbers and I actually wrote a piece on whose place about this before the season that, listen, like the numbers don't support what the coaches are saying. Like they yeah. might be saying this, but like there's reason to be skeptical. And I think that's been true mostly through the year. Um, I would say also as far as grades go, I think we got to see what happens with Mike Collins. Mm -hmm. Mike Collins has been more of the receiving back, more of the, you know, call it explosive for lack of a better word, back through the first half of the season. He exited the game early against Louisville. Mm -hmm. Looks like something with his ankle. Don't want to speculate. Um, he's still on the depth chart, which means it's probably not a season ending injury, but I guess we'll have to kind of see what bears out there. And God, I had so much on my mind. There was going to be one more thing I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. But anyway, I feel like we've generally addressed the running back room. Unless yeah. you have anything else to add. No, no, I I agree. I think I think it's good. But I just you know I I like our running backs a lot. I think they're all really talented. But there's just no plays being called for them. You know, Wayne is I by far the best one yard rusher I've ever seen in my life, and he only has two touchdowns so far this year. So. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I, I really like them. They just there hasn't been much production because of the coaching calls. Yeah, and I remember what I was going to say now. And it's perfect transition into wide receivers, and that you know I want more balance on this offense. Again, situational football. When it's third and short, when it's goal line, when it's you know red zone in general, I want to be able to have the option to run the ball, mm -hmm. and I think that is important. And I think that kind of was a problem a little bit against Louisville, at least in the first half, yeah. is UVA's inability to run the ball. And I think it limited the playbook and uh, played to Louisville's favor, at least inside the red zone. But, you know, listen, the reason 
that, or at least part of the reason that the running backs haven't been emphasized enough is because this passing game is so good. Right. And, you know, we talked about it with Brennan Armstrong. And as far as wide receivers and tight ends go, I mean, I'm going to give it an A. I'm not going to second guess this. I think mm-hmm. wide receivers and tight ends, they deserve an A the entire way. And, yeah. You know, Jelani Woods, seeing him for the first time against Illinois, like walking into the stadium at like 11 a.m. that Saturday morning and seeing how big that guy was, mm-hmm. that was a shocker to me. I knew he was big, but I didn't know he was going to be that big. Yeah. And then, I mean, this receiving core is so deep. Billy Kemp, Sean Henry. Uh, Don Pavian Wicks, Keaton Thompson. I mean, we're not even talking about Lavelle Davis. Yeah. So it's it's a really deep receiving core that has lived up to the hype. So much credit goes to Marcus Hagens, um, and heck, even Robert and I for really scheming this whole thing together. I'm not going to second guess this. To me, wide receivers and tight ends are an A. I agree. Uh, you know, we have had so many people step up this year, and you you even talked about it. You you were hyping up this receiving core um from over the summer even and in the spring you you were saying oh like this this our receivers might be good and you know receiving has been such a it hasn't been bad recently it's just you know kind of been you know one of those things where we didn't we had good receivers but not great receivers I think we have great receivers Dontavian Wicks is a game changer averaging 22 yards a catch um five touchdowns so far this year I hope he's okay do you know if there's an update on him so he was uh, – I'm trying to think. I remember the three in the uniform release video. I can't remember if it was Wicks or Anthony Johnson. Okay. Um, I have not heard an update. Uh, I think he was held out of practice Tuesday or Wednesday. I think with Bronco, Thursday is the big game. If yeah. you're able to practice Thursday, then you can play. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I don't know. But – okay. But anyway, like even without Dontavian Wicks, we were still – fine against louisville you know rashawn henry really stepped up in that game uh billy kemp has been super solid the whole year we've got four receivers with over 400 yards receiving and with and three receivers with four or more touchdowns uh you know jelani woods has four touchdowns billy kemp has four and dontavian wicks have, has five keaton thompson our second leading receiver with 436 yards doesn't even have a touchdown yet so uh, Brennan's been slinging the ball, but these guys have been done a really good job of, of mostly catching them. Uh, there's been a few drops here and there, but nothing that's cost the game or anything. And I'm just really excited to see you know what this team can do when Lavelle Davis comes back. Uh, if he comes back this year or or if he comes back next year, you know he he can add a lot to this team and you know these receivers are really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, you go back to kind of preseason expectations. I went to the spring game, and I think to anyone who went to the spring game, you kind of saw the glimpse of, hey, Dontavian Wicks is really good. Hey, Jelani Woods is really good. And that was kind of my tip-off that, hey, I think these guys are better than they're getting credit for. I I mean, listen, like, aside from really the first season, I mean, even if you want to talk about 2016, Virginia has had really good receivers mm-hmm. under Mendenhall, under Anai. I mean, going back to... Alameda Zacchaeus, Andre Lebroni, Downey mm-hmm. Dowling. Um, I mean, those guys were good receivers. So, you know, I think what happened last year is the COVID year was so weird, but you had a big drop-off in receiving production last year with um, 
Joe Reed and Hasise Dubois graduating. And, mm-hmm. you know, at times, you know, you had Lavelle Davis, who was a true freshman last year, but at times it almost felt like you were playing with two, um, like, number three receivers in a way. Like, Billy Kemp is so good out of the slot. And they've moved him around a lot more this year. He'll play on the outside more, which has been nice to see. Um, but he was mostly in the slot last year. And then you had Terrell Janna. He was a very good receiver in his own right, but he was pretty clearly the number three receiver in 2019. So it, it just didn't really feel like you had like the full complement of a receiving core. Yeah. But then you come into this year and you see you have Dontavian Wicks back and he's a true number one. Mm-hmm. You have Rashawn Henry, who's a complete receiver, probably could be a number one if he was asked to, but he's a great number two. Uh, Billy Kemp is amazing from the slot, knows exactly where to be best route runner you know probably best route runner on the team although Dontavian Wicks is pushing him um I mean Keaton Thompson has come so far from a year ago yeah Jelani Woods you know credit to Tony Poljan for playing the way he did last year but Jelani Woods is a much more dynamic player so like you have all these pieces this year and it feels like a full complement of a receiving core like you have kind of the gadget guy and Thompson you have you know Wicks, Henry, and Kemp as kind of your traditional one, two, three. You have a legit tight end. It just feels so much more complete. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest difference this year is there's so much depth. And we're not even talking about Malachi Fields or Dameek Starling, who had that 65-yard touchdown catch in the opener, or Grant Mish, who's mostly been asked to block, but he caught the game-winning touchdown against Louisville. Mm-hmm. So it's just so deep. And again, credit to Hagen's. Um, you know, really credit to both of the tight ends and Woods and Mish. It's impressive. It's been really impressive. And and you, you said it all perfectly. I can't, I mean, there's nothing else for me to add. It's been really, really impressive what they've been able to do. And I'm super excited to see what they do going forward. I think they're going to do really, really amazing things. That's my guess and my hope. Hey, as long as Hagen's is coaching, I, I think – that's probably going to be the case. Yeah. We'll see if Lavelle Davis comes back this season. I mean, that could add even something more. Yeah. So anyway, with that, let's transition. You know, we had our happy part. We had our fun part. <laughs> let's get let's get to the defense. Oh, wait. We, we need to do um, uh, offensive line. Oh, my God. I'm looking at my notes, and I missed that. Okay. You were right. <laughs> I apologize. Well, maybe maybe it's not happy, but we still need to do them. They're not the the most sad, I would okay. say. I, I didn't have my notes. I didn't write this down. This is shame on me. Um, <laughs> all right, offensive line, on the fly, I'll say B-. minus. I'll say offensive line was really impressive through the first two weeks. Um, you know, Brennan had all day to throw. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you kind of get to the North Carolina game, and the pocket starts falling apart, and all of a sudden we're experimenting with lineups. Uh, Bobby Haskins is in at left tackle. You're sliding um, Ryan Nelson into guard. You know, Jonathan Leach is playing some as swing tackle a bit. Um, They haven't been bad per se, but I don't think they've necessarily lived up to the height that we had coming into this season. I agree. Do you agree? I agree. I I was going to say B minus or B. I think that, you know, they've been giving Brennan a pretty good pocket a lot of the time, but you know, Brennan does have 18 sacks on the year, which is a lot through, you know, what, six games? It's three a game. I would prefer to see him hit less. I would also love to see them just have better run blocking. Um, you know, they've had trouble with run blocking sometimes this year. But, you know, I, 
ultimately I can't complain. I would say that I think in general the um, uh, I think a B is is fair for them. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up run blocking because there's a difference between run blocking and pass blocking as an offense blind man. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm an expert, but from my amateur eyes, I feel like our guards and Joe Bissinger started the year. Um, but really struggled was benched against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still think he can have a good future ahead of him. It's just apparently maybe this wasn't the time. But anyway, I think he's a better run blocker um, than a pass blocker. I think Chris Glazer at right guard is probably a better run blocker than pass blocker. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Olu at center, you look at the tackles. I think it's pretty clear those guys are probably better pass blockers than run blockers. Yeah. So. Anyway, as a whole, I think this offensive line, especially now making the move, moving Nelson to guard, moving Bobby Haskins back out to left tackle, um, you know, I think this is an offensive line that is built to be better in pass protection than they are in run blocking. So, anyway, it matters. You know, that's a big difference. And mm-hmm. I, I'd love to, for them to get back to the way they were playing the first two weeks of the season. And obviously, it's a different level of opponent. You know, Illinois, I don't think it's proven to be as bad as we thought they were after Mm -hmm. the second week but still probably not i mean they wouldn't really be competing in the acc i don't think and obviously william and mary at the fcs level so there's a big step up in competition from the first two weeks to you know what we're playing now but you know i don't expect this to be a dominant run blocking offensive line but I would like to see him get back to how they were playing the first few weeks as far as pass protection. I yeah. guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and of course, you know, William and Mary and had a terrible, terrible time with, with that. And as you said, Illinois probably isn't so bad, but, you know, they've been pretty good and they've let Brennan, Brennan sling it a lot. So I think a B is fair for them. Um, but I can't say as much for the defense, which we can get into right now. Well, let's do it. <laughs> and I guess as far as the defense goes, you know, I guess we've talked about it a little bit the past couple of weeks, but, you know, to kind of revisit what we thought in the preseason, yes, Virginia is one, running a 3-3-5 defense as opposed to a 3-4. And I will say there's probably been more challenges with that transition than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, when teams want to throw the ball, they generally can statistically UVA is better against the pass, but I think they're better against the pass because teams can run so much better than they could last year. Yeah. And teams are choosing to run the ball more instead of passing. Mm-hmm. That's my take at least. No, so I agree. This defense just is in a period of transition. And I understand this is a move that has been made for kind of the long term of the program you know and it makes sense teams are moving more spread offenses they're throwing the ball more it makes sense um at least on paper and in theory to want to move more towards a 3-3-5 to have more players on the field and a lot of teams run this you know nc state runs a version of this syracuse runs a version of this oklahoma runs a version of this it's still relatively uncommon but it's becoming more common yeah as far as a defensive scheme but it's taking some time to adjust and we'll get through how these units are playing. But, you know, just to preface this whole discussion, that's where we're at. And I don't think anyone's really forced Bronco or forced Hal on the issue as far as, you know, why make the scheme switch? You know, what was the thought process going into it? I'd love to hear that. Mm-hmm. I think generally I know what the answer is as most people do, but I, Bronco at least is very insightful in his answers. And I would appreciate to have, 
his contacts at some point. But anyway, that that's kind of the background of what we're going. So with that, unless you have anything else to add, we can hop to the defensive line. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I what would you give the defensive line? I was gonna say B minus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I say that because you know at times they've made plays. You know, listen, Mandy Alonzo to an extent almost single handedly won that Miami game. I mean yeah. the Alonzo was all over the place. Um Jameer Carter at times has you know, he has been perfect at the nose, but he's gotten better and that, that push he had against the Louisville center last week in the fourth quarter was really, really impressive. And mm-hmm. Aaron Famui, you know, Famui has kind of taken some time to get back um to probably the level he was playing at in twenty nineteen after opting out last year. But they've moved him to end in recent weeks, and mm-hmm. part of that is because they're using Jordan Redmond more at nose. Part of that is because Adib has still been out at defensive end. Um, but he's played a lot better. I think he had two tackles for loss against Louisville. So this is a defensive line that has made plays here and there, but this is also the same defensive line that got really pushed around against UNC and Wake Forest. So I think there's been improvement in the past two weeks. So, you know, B minus, I think I'm okay with, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's certainly still a ways to go. Yeah. No, it, and it's, it's tough because like they, they've come in with, and there's a lot of promise. I, I feel like they got good push the last couple of years, but it just hasn't been there. You know, we don't have any sacks. I don't, I'm not sure that they have any sacks this year off of the, off of the, offensive line um Noah Taylor has a few Mandy Alonzo has three uh and Aaron Famui has one but and you know definitely not as much as we would have liked but it's just tough because they're asked to do a lot in the 3-3-5 and it's just you know tough to see that they have been really unable to do a lot with it yeah and from what I've read, apparently Rocky Long, who was, you know, Bronco coached under at New Mexico, and was really the first person to bring about the three-three-five as far as having three safeties on the field, which is the version Virginia is running. But from what I've read, he says it's, you know, call it a two to three year process to really get comfortable in the scheme. Mm-hmm. And it's different for the defensive linemen too. This is another area where I'd love Bronco's insight, but from what I understand, they played a lot more. I mean, they played almost exclusively two gap yeah. responsibilities in the three four and in the three three five. From what I understand, it's much more one gap responsibilities. So it's it's a different way of playing defense. It's a different way for them of attacking. And I think you know when everyone feels comfortable, hopefully it'll be a system where the defensive line can get more tackles for loss or mm-hmm. get more sacks. Yeah. But for now, I think we're still seeing some growing pains and, you know, it'd be great if we got a D back on the defensive line. I think he can make a big difference. Um, you know, credit to guys playing maybe before the, it was planned for them to play like a Nusi Milani. Um, Sue is in there as well. Uh, ben Smiley has been playing less the past couple of weeks, but he played some earlier in the season. So, Anyway, they're rotating guys, but I think I think it's safe to say, you know, there's still a little bit of ways to go. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I just I just hope that they get there eventually and I, I'm sure they will, but just right now at the moment it's been it's been a little bit tough sometimes. Not not tough, but I, I just think that 
you know, they haven't necessarily played up to their... It's been tough for them to play up to what they could be, especially in the new uh, defensive arrangement. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, what... Or, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's move on to linebackers, which I think is where you were going. Yeah, you read my mind then. Yeah. Um, Linebackers. Man, this one kind of pains me to do this, Mm -hmm. but I mean... C plus B minus. Yeah. I think the linebackers is the position unit that has struggled the most with a scheme switch. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say C. I was going to say C. And it's unfortunate because there's, I still think that's maybe as much, you know, maybe, I don't know, you could debate it, but at least defensively, I think there's the most talent on this team in the linebacker group. Yeah. You have Nick Jackson, who's, you know, was a preseason all ACC um, recipient, Noah Taylor. Um, you know, there's guys that are kind of respected, proven stars in the ACC and Noah Taylor, I think has shown well at times when he has the opportunity to rush the passer, Mm -hmm. um, Nick Jackson still leads the team and tackles, but you know, it's a group that I think has struggled the most with the scheme switch and, you know, and the three, four, the way we played the three, four was it was designed for the linebackers to fly around. It was designed for the linebackers to be the playmakers. And in the three, three, five, I think the biggest struggle you're seeing out of these linebackers is the new gap responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And they just seem to be playing a bit slower, a bit more hesitant as if they're thinking a bit more than they had to. And, you know, I, I, I think the best way to say it is that guys have been out of position here and there mm-hmm. on some of these big run plays. And, you know, by no means am I an expert and I'll defer to other people on this, but from what I can tell, I think there's on a lot of these longer runs, it's normally a linebacker who's been out of position. Yeah. So, you know, Nick Jackson is a great player. He's going to continue to play the middle linebacker spot. Uh, Noah Taylor, you know, can be a really dynamic player as we've seen before so i mean he's going to continue playing you know elliot brown i'm still surprised we haven't seen more hunter stewart in that position honestly both as far as production goes and also kind of looking towards the future as well um i will say i've liked these 155 looks the past couple weeks and getting west weeks on the field um his speed is apparent and i think he's going to be a good player for uva in the future so i still think there's talent in this room and I think there's a lot of potential among the young guys too. It's just been a shame that, you know, what was once the strength of the defense, I think is probably, you know, the position group that's struggling the most to kind of grasp this new defensive scheme. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's been not, it's, it's been a little frustrating and not frustrating because they've played bad, but just, you know, as you said, out of position a lot, Nick Jackson's, that you're leading the team in tackles. He's had some really good plays. Uh, Noah Taylor's had some really great sacks and some really good plays, but it hasn't necessarily been consistent. You know, I, I feel like if it was more consistent throughout the throughout the year, it might be. You know, it might the grade might have been higher. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I I agree, and. Listen, we've seen good moments. I mean, Noah Taylor has had some good rushes um, as far as getting after the passer. So has Hunter Stewart. Um, Nick Jackson has made some strong plays against the run throughout this season. But as you said, like especially on these stretch plays, 
you know, they stretch out wide and the defense, you know, you miss one gap and the running back just gets through the hole and it's gone. Right. And I think some another thing that kind of hopefully will come as the scheme develops, but, you know, we're really not seeing much pressure out of these linebackers, especially mm-hmm. from the base defense. It seems like they've gotten more pressure the past couple of weeks um, in those one five five looks. And early in the season against William & Mary, Against Illinois, they were playing a lot of two, four, five on third down, and they played that much less frequently the past several weeks. But that's really where their pressure was coming from. Um, you know, inside stunts. Uh, I think all three, or at least all two of no, both of Noah Taylor's sacks against Illinois came from inside stunts. So, yeah. but all I'm saying is basically you're seeing less playmaking ability out of the linebackers in the base scheme. And you think about it when they were in the three, four, you know, you had the dogs up the middle, you know, and Sandier and Jackson, they would get pressure on stunts. You had Snowden and Taylor who get pressure on the outside. And we're just not seeing that same kind of attacking fly to the ball mentality, at least from the new base set from mm-hmm. the linebackers. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And, and I just think it, yeah, I, I just wish that I don't wish, but I think as, as the year has gone on, it's it's gotten a little bit better, I think. And, you know, hopefully when, you know, we've got these two games against Duke and Georgia Tech, and hopefully they can make it through those, and then we've got a nice bye week before Notre Dame. And that's kind of the big one where you're feeling like, oh, like I really hope that we can do something there that will that will really make it worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I, I, just, I just feel like I, I want more out of them. And I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah, and again, like I think if we were playing the three four, we would be getting a lot more out of them. Yeah. I think this scheme switch has been hardest on the linebackers, and to no fault necessarily to the linebackers. I just think that's how it is. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, anyway, with that, let's move to the secondary, the last position on the defense. We'll talk about. I'd say kind of same as the linebackers, maybe like C plus B minus. Yeah. Um. You know, they played really well the first two weeks, and it's kind of been a bit of a struggle since then. Although I will say I will give them credit for better play um, against Louisville. But I think Anthony Johnson has been more than we expected at corner. I think he's played really well. I think Joey Blunt, when he was on the field, has played well in that, you know, call it saver middle safety position. Mm -hmm. But – the rest of the defense is still kind of figuring itself out. You know, um, Cohen King played a lot last week at safety, and he's a great story. Um, I mean, he forced that one fumble and actually recovered it himself. So, you know, maybe he'll get more time. I think Antonio Clary, you know, when he played, when he filled in for Joey Blunt and the Saber safety, he played well. I think he struggled a bit at the deep safety. Um you know, cornerback Pintrell Cypress was a guy that kind of caught a lot of people by surprise and how much he's been playing. I think everyone, myself included, really thought Darius Braden would be playing more yeah. at the field corner spot, and it's really been Pintrell Cypress. Um, Josh Hayes, the transfer from North Dakota State, he just this week uh, entered the transfer portal again. So, you know, we'll see how our cornerback depth is tested in the coming weeks. So mm-hmm. a long way of saying, you know, think we've seen some positives but there's still been you know some play that just 
isn't exactly what you want. And, you know, maybe if we're setting a high bar, expecting it to be 2018 every year to have Tim Harris, to have Bryce Hall, to have Juan Thornhill, mm-hmm. um, or I mean, even go back the year before when, uh, in 2017, when Brent Nelson was ACC rookie of the year, when Quinn Blanding was on that team, you know, there was a high bar set at the beginning of the Mendenhall era. Yeah. And I think these guys this year have played better, but I don't think it's anywhere close to pushing to what, the defense was a few years ago the secondary in particular yeah i agree and it's just been it's been you know this is the the position unit that has suffered the most over the over the years and i just hope that eventually we can get back to having a really good secondary and you know it's been so weird to see it as i said earlier we've transitioned really from from uh Def- like a, being a defensive team to being an offensive team and it's interesting how you know a secondary used to be by far the best position and now wide receivers are so good I just think it's kind of interesting how that's happened and and how it turns out like that yeah I agree and you know what we haven't seen so far this year which maybe we'll see kind of the second half of the year is you know really the youngsters on this team get mm-hmm. some run um you know, Elijah Gaines and Donovan Johnson in particular, both of them played some at points last year. Neither of them have really played this year. You know, we've seen Lex Long a little bit, who's a freshman, um, play in the secondary. We've seen uh, Jonas Sanker, who Bronco has hyped up in the preseason. He's played on special teams, um, but I think he could be a good player at safety, although he hasn't really played in base set. So, and then guys at corner, you know, we really haven't seen any of the young guys. If you mm-hmm. want to count Central Cypress there, maybe. So anyway, it's kind of been the same cast of characters that we've been used to. Yeah. That have been playing this year that also played last year. So anyway, I'm curious if we'll see more guys in the second half of the year. Or maybe we won't, and maybe they'll kind of lock down what they've been working towards. But yeah, you know. I don't want to be too critical there because I think there has been a step up in play, at least from last year. And I think part of that is a credit to moving guys around, you know, moving Nick Grant to safety, um, getting Joey Blunt closer to the box. Devontae Cross is kind of in the safety nickel corner hybrid, but it's certainly better than being the uh, boundary corner, which is where he played last year. So they're moving guys around, but I don't think it's a hundred percent there yet. That's yeah. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a struggle to watch. And I've said this whole year, like I, this, this team is going to go where the defense allows it to go. Um, unfortunately it's not really totally up to Brendan Armstrong, how much, how good this team can be, even though he's been incredible. It's, it's been, uh, frustrating at times, you know, especially against like, you know, team like North Carolina, where we put up a ton of points but we just couldn't get anything done with it. And it's just unfortunate that this team is the way it is. And I love the offense. I wish the defense was playing at a higher level. And unfortunately, we can't have that right now. Um, Rob, special teams, what's your grade been? I'll go B. Okay. And I think, God, I mean, I wish, still going back to that William & Mary game, and I haven't seen a replay on it, but man, I wish Mike Collins, whatever that flag was, I think it was like a block in the back or the holding, but it would have been so much fun if Mike Collins was actually able to return that kick for a touchdown. Yeah. But I digress. I'll say B. I think the return unit has been 
you know, steady enough, unspectacular, but just avoid mistakes. Um, I would say Billy Kemp probably gave us all a heart attack against Miami with a couple of those bobbled punts. Mm-hmm. But overall, he's been solid, you know, catching what he needs to, which is, you know, his kind of role back there. Um, I've been impressed with Jacob Finn at the punter. Field goal kicker, you know, credit to Brendan Farrell, man. You know, coming into the season as the number three kicker behind Dunkel and Hunter Pearson, he's made all the attempts. Well, I guess he missed one technically last week against Louisville, but he's been solid, made his two attempts against Miami. Um, hopefully we'll get Dunkel back. Not sure what his timeline is. Uh, Hunter Pearson is out for the year, so I guess it would be Farrell kicking until Dunkel comes back. Mm-hmm. Dunkel did miss those two against uh, Illinois, but I think he'll be okay. I like him as a kicker in general. So anyway, I say all that. There hasn't been anything like dynamic. It's, I guess, you know, maybe Jacob Penn's punt at the one-yard line, which led to a safety. You know, that was a very good play. But, yeah. you know, it's been solid and steady, not spectacular, I guess, but can't really complain, I guess is the best way to put it. So yeah. I'll give him a B. Okay. A B is nice. A B How is do nice. You feel I, I think teams? I think B plus. I think uh, I think Finn's been really good, even though we really haven't punted that much this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, and even That's with true. even with having two field goal kickers, you know, um, with uh, Farrell and Dunkel, they've both been pretty good. You know, uh, they haven't missed any extra points, which is always good. Uh, Farrell has, you know, is four out of five. Dunkel was four out of six, with the only misses coming. Well, Dunkel missed a, you know. A in a field goal within 30 to 39 yards and one from 40 to 49. But Farrell, the only one he's missed has been from over 50 yards, which is, you know, understandable at times. And so I'm just, uh, I'm excited to see, you know, what, if we can keep going and, and how we, and, and how we figure it out the rest of the way. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see how kickoffs go. I'm trying to, Slipping me, who returned kickoffs after Mike Hollins went out against Louisville. Yeah. Hopefully, Mike Hollins doesn't miss much time. Um, but I mean, to be honest, the kickoff is becoming, unless you have a really, really dynamic player like Joe Reed was back there, mm-hmm. it's becoming less of a focal point of the game in general, anyway. So, I will say I've been very impressed by Jacob Fan. And at Jacob Fan, if it's not the most UVA football thing ever to just have a long line. I mean, we're talking like six, seven years now of really good punters at yeah. UVA. Yeah. So he's been really good. Jacob Fenn has. He's been great so far. The only mistakes really they've, there's uh there was that kickoff mistake that we had where we ended up on like the two or something uh, yeah. because we yeah. fair caught, but dropped it. That's been a weird rule this year. Um, but you know, Billy Kemp hasn't muffed any punts that I can remember. And, I just think we've been doing a pretty good job overall. So B plus from me. All right. I can get on board with that. I'll, yeah. I'll change mine to a B plus. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll get on board nice. With that. I like that. But, nice, nice teamwork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how we do it, man. Guys and ties. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's areas to improve. I think there's obvious areas where this team has been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have anything else to add on top of those grades? No, nothing else. I I just feel like we've been, this team is, there's been, as I said earlier, so many ups and downs with this team. The two game losing streak 
And then the recent two-game winning streak has really kind of turned the season upside down kind of twice, I think. I've definitely had a change of heart since the wins against Miami and Louisville. And I'm just hoping we can, you know, make this a three-game or a four-game winning streak to to really help us out in the in the coastal division race. You know, we are so far, you know, we're not doing too bad in the coastal division, but we're for sure not, you know, in the lead. We are third currently at two and two. So you know it's good when we're in the top half and at five hundred percent. And Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech are the ones at the top right now. They both are one and zero in conference. It's so crazy how North Carolina's played five conference games so far, and Pitt and Tech have only played one. I think that's really strange. I know it really is. So much of it is when the bye weeks come and yeah. just how the schedule is structured. Um, but yeah, no. Listen, like you said, third in the coastal. Virginia was probably, I would say they're probably out of the coastal race if they had lost against Louisville, but mm-hmm. they did it. They're two and two. Um, it's critical that North Carolina dropped to two and three because North Carolina owns a tiebreaker over UVA. So, you know, UVA, if they want to win the coastal, will have to stay one game ahead of North Carolina, mm-hmm. which they are. Um, Virginia owns the tiebreaker over Miami. Well, hopefully Virginia will get it against Duke. Uh, but yeah, Pitt and Virginia Tech are kind of the wild cards, and they might be the biggest competition right now. Yeah. But you know, I guess we'll see how it plays out. They play each other this weekend, so one of them will be two and zero after this. Now they will be one and one. But they're like you said, they're the ones that really haven't played conference games yet, um, and so that'll be a big part of it but yeah. virginia it's a weird god it's such a weird year in the acc as we say every year i mean the weirdest thing to me is clemson not really controlling their own destiny with wake yeah. forest up in the atlantic to me that's just insane wake but forest has anyway, been so Vir- fun to watch this season yeah they're a good team man and credit to them because virginia and wake forest recruit a lot of the same players mm-hmm. and there's several players that come down to a decision between UVA, Wake Forest, and maybe one or two other schools. So the credit to um, Dave Clawson, man. He's doing a great job down yeah. there. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. Rob, anything else to mention? Um, you know, the the basketball schedule's been out for a while. We haven't talked about that. We're, we're not going to do it now. We've run over for sure. But uh, <laughs> we can talk about it another time. Any, any last thoughts uh, on football, UVA? You know, not really. I would say, like you said, we'll definitely get into basketball. That's coming. Uh, media days being this past week. There's a lot to talk about. So we'll get there. That's coming in due time. Virginia yeah. opens the season November 9th against Navy. So a little under a month to go. Um, but listen, I mean, Virginia, in many respects, is lucky to be 4-2. and two. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't take much for Virginia to be 2-4 and four in football, that is. Uh, but listen, they're 4-2. and two. It's been a bit different than I thought it would be coming into this season. Yeah. But both of you, both you and I had us at four and two right now. So Virginia is still on track and potentially able to still have a good season. So it's been up and down. It's been a roller coaster, but we've seen improvement from the defense. Yeah. Um, Brennan Armstrong has been incredible. So my hope for Virginia is that 
They'll take care of business against Duke, take care of business against Georgia Tech. Neither of those are gimmies, but two games that I think Virginia should be able to win. Mm-hmm. And then listen, you're six and two. Let's see what they can make happen. Notre Dame looks much more beatable than they did earlier in the year. BYU probably is better than at least I gave them credit for at the beginning of the season. And Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech, it's probably still kind of too early to tell with neither of them really facing conference tests yet. Yeah. So this is a, still a season where Virginia can, you know, be competitive and it would be hard to win the coastal already having two losses, but you know, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility just yet. Right. So I'm excited for the second half of the season. Um, you know, it'll, I'm sure there'll be plenty more nail biters to come, but Man, you only get 12 of these weekends a year. Like right. that's that you know that's how it is with football. So yeah. you just kind of enjoy every one. I'm I'm excited to to experience it. I'm excited to see where the rest of the season takes us and uh yeah, I'm pumped. I I hope I can make it to more games, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, man. Well, you and me both. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be in as many games as, games as we can. Right. Um but with that, I think we're pretty much done with this episode. So thank you so much for listening to this long episode. Uh, we are the Guys and Ties podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make for make sure to follow us on Snapchat and Instagram at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify and iTunes if you want to keep listening. And we will see y'all next time. Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.